Welcome back to another edition of Scoreline Extra. Coming up on the show today, we have everything from camogie, greyhound racing, basketball, foot golf and lots, lots more. First, though, we hear from Brian Dowling, Kilkenny Camogie Manager. Brian, not a loss but disappointing overall that you're not going to make the league final your overall thoughts on the match today? Look yeah we're disappointed not in the league final but delighted with the performance and the effort of the girls the character you know I suppose has been questioned a few times this year already I think people have to realise we've lost huge experience in that dressing room not only this year but the last couple of years and we've new girls coming now and I suppose when the second half they were five points down facing into a gale storm wind and uh to stand up and go ahead of Cork a very good Cork team I thought was brilliant and look I think we'll hold on to that performance for the rest of the year like it's it's a bit crazy to say that we've went through the league unbeaten and we're not not in the knockout stages it makes no sense to me but uh, look it is what it is we're light with performance um, we'll go away now and train hard for the championship We had disappointed at half time playing with that gale force wind and only going in with a one point lead Yeah but look I think it was hard for it to score either either goal I know we had the win but um, you know it wasn't easy to score for anybody you can see him Denise was struggling to, to reach the goal with freeze and 40 yards like Denise can score from 80, 90 yards so I think that would be an indicator I think Corky was struggling to score from points as well but that's just the conditions were horrendous out there you know when I walked out the pitch at the start of the game there's puddles of water on the, on the pitch so look it wasn't easy out there for anybody and the girls give it absolutely everything You talked about the girls character in this team immense to put in a performance like that especially in the second half Denise she may have missed a few stood up though took that penalty my god what a score put you a point ahead then going for forward, just a pity it didn't work out in the end Yeah look, she, everyone knows Denise what she can do, she didn't all earn final in 2020 you know, with the pressure really on so look, Denise is a, is a big time player she'll do it when, she, when, when it's really needed you know, she missed a couple against Clare and she was disappointed but I never doubt with her there, I knew she'd bury it so look, it was a great, obviously we needed that goal to, to pull Cork back and um, like I said we're disappointed we're not in, in the league final you know, that was we wanted to get there but um, you know, we have a big chunk of training coming up now and we look forward to getting back onto the pitch A couple of years ago, Parky Rean said same kind of conditions as well. Kellyanne ended up doing her cruciate that day. Don't know what the story is, but what's the update on herself and Grace Welch? Both of them went off and they looked in distress when they were coming off as well. Yeah, look, I, I don't know. Um, I don't, to be honest, I'll be only guessing, but look, they look serious injuries at the moment, but please God, they're not. Um, if anyone needs a bit of luck, it's, it's Kelly Ann Dial. Um, actually, down here last year against Wexford, she she did her, her shoulder. She somehow managed to play the All Ireland semi final the week after. I don't know how she came back from the last cruciate seven months later and played an All Ireland final. You know, against all the odds. So look, Grace is in a hurt her shoulder as well. So hopefully she'll be okay. Um, you know, we're after losing a lot of backs off the team from last year. So we don't we can't afford to lose anymore. So look, please God, um, the girls will be okay. And you know, Nicola and, and Dr. Martin will look after them. You alluded to it earlier on no league semi-final or quarter-final when it comes to the Division 1 unlike Division 2 and 3 kind of stupid in a way when you say it that you can go through the league unbeaten and knocked out on scoring difference like you know and I don't want it's not sour grapes I, I said it on the way down I spoke to other managers in the last couple of weeks and everyone has the same opinion like I just can't understand like why the intermediates have a, a, a quarter final and semi final and the senior don't you know it just makes no sense um, you know we're trying to promote Camogie the more games the better you know you were there last year in Nolan Park the two games was at Galway and Cork fantastic game our, our game against Tip was brilliant as well you know like that's what we want we want to be playing big games all the time and you know um, and even there should be quarter final 
finals as well. We played Limerick last year up up in Borough, great game. You know they should have bet us, but they got a great game out of that. You know if you lose one game in the league, you're gone. You know and that's it. It's 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 ridiculous, and I just don't understand why there's not extra knockout games. Look, everyone wants games. You know I'm sure Cork, Galway are the same. Um, but look, that's that's their their decision. I just I, I'd like the reasoning for it because uh, Cork don't have four weeks off now before they play in the league final. So you know it's not as if it, it has to be on next week or whatever. So I just I don't know what the reasoning for it is, and it's disappointing that you know the more games the better really exactly we have a couple of weeks break now to start the Lempster Championship I think just towards the end of April beginning of May before we even start into the Championship proper then in the All-Ireland Series so good bit of time to work and as you say to get the players that's injured back as well yeah look I suppose it's kind of hard at the moment to, to train because you're, you're training hard maybe on a Tuesday and then the, the night before the match you know we didn't even train we only trained Tuesday this week we wanted to keep the guards fresh for today um, you know it's hard to happen really before, before a game so look we're looking forward to the clock going forward and the weather hopefully getting a bit better and looking forward to getting a bit of hurling done in training you know it's going to be hard to get anything done so we're, we're looking forward to that OK well Brian Dillon as always thanks a million OK thanks lads We also hear from Joe Sheehan to talk all things greyhound racing. We're going to go across to Joe Sheehan, the man that knows everything about greyhounds. It's really hotting up in that world by all accounts. The McCallman Cup is about to start and the Easter Cup. Here's Joe with all the latest. We are absolutely pumping with excitement at the moment in the Greyhound Racing World. There is so much going on, so much happening all over in Shelburne Park with the Easter Cup final tonight, but elsewhere at our local track here in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium, so much happening. Last night, we had the Ballymac Best at Stud, the beginning of that, the unraced semi-finals, cracking action. We also had the Frightful Flash Kennels unraced final, and we also had the big one, the McCalmon Cup, the one we've been building up to all in the early part of this year and that produced some cracking action last night so we'll get straight into it the first semi-final of the Ballymac Best Test Stud was a phenomenal performance from Scotch Rath Blake winning in 29-72 for owner trainer Michael Brennan and he marches on to next week's final elsewhere the second semi-final was won by Hello Speedy Speedy by name Speedy by nature winning in 29-35 for the Starbar Syndicate and trainer Brian Ellard so really really nice performances in this unraced competition so well done to all connections who march on to next week's Ballymac Best at Stud unraced final we had a cracking final last night the frightful flash kennels unraced which was won by Hare Leary in a very quick time of 29 seconds for a trainer whose name we have heard many many times on this show Thomas Bogey from Carlo he's having a phenomenal time of late he's winning a lot he also had a derby finalist last year so very very well done to Thomas Bogey and the Bogey family and well done to the Kings of Wicklow Syndicate they own this ground and it's fantastic to see syndicates doing so well of late and it's actually great to get involved in syndicates because it lessens the cost you can have great crack with friends and family or even workmates it's fantastic to see syndicates doing so well so well done to all connections of Hare Leary winning the Frightful Flash Kennels unraced final last night back in second Bogger Shamrock and third Bitfew Tara also picking up the second and third honours and a nice few quid prize money in the process as well. Elsewhere last night we had the aforementioned McAlmont Cup. It's a phenomenal competition that takes place year in, year out at our local track here in Kilkenny and it produces cracking action every year. And it must be mentioned it's a phenomenal competition from a local point of view. There's fantastic history and heritage in 
or McCalmon Cup. Even in, in 1954 and 1955, as won by the national icon at the time, Spanish Battleship, the three-time Irish Greyhound Derby winner. It's actually been in Kilkenny since the 1940s. So that just shows you the proud tradition this McCallum Cup has and it produced some fantastic cracking action last night at our local track we had the quarterfinals last night the first quarterfinal was won by Mustang Sam the fastest time of this year's McCallum Cup 28.68 at a price of 4.21 very very nice performance for owner trainer Sean Burke making it three wins in a row so well done to Mustang Sam Beck in second was Zoom for the Conaghy trainer Murtlahi and third Kulanga Lady so those three march on to next week's McCallum Cup semi-finals in the second quarterfinal Sober Regrets won in a time of 28.98 for owner Sean Malone and trainer David Flanagan making it two wins in a row for those connections so well done to them Beck in second Warrenstown Boy and third Ballybock Champ for the Lahey Kennel as well so those three match on to next week's semi-final in the third quarterfinal of the Ballymac Stud McCalmont Cup Flaming Moneybags won in a very nice clock of 28.75 for the two leash and four Kilkenny syndicate very nice performance at a price of 3 to 1 back in second file Amy and third Dixie so those three match on to next week's semi-finals elsewhere the fourth quarter final last but not least was won by Bally Cowan Luca in a time of 29.03 staying on quite well so well done to connections Debbie Doyle and Dean Harper in that one second was Rowlers Road and third Lugano for the Lachie Kennel those three match on to next week's Ballymac Anton at Stud McCallman Cup semi Finals, so cracking, cracking night of action. Great to see such a massive crowd in Kilkenny Ground Stadium last night, and the betting ring was a hive of activity elsewhere. In the last race, we must give a special mention to Apex Hunter, who won again last night in a time of 29.05. In its last nine starts, has won eight occasions out of the last nine. Phenomenal, phenomenal strike rate. So well done to owner trainer Stuart Kavanagh in that one. We also must give a big mention to Mr. Dennis Lennon of Three Castles, who this weekend is being inducted into the Hall of Fame in the National Greyhound Racing Awards. A phenomenal achievement and a very, very proud day for Dini Lennon and all his family who are steeped in greyhound racing. He's been a fantastic greyhound racing man all his life. And it's a phenomenal achievement to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. So very, very well done to him. Very well deserved. We also have Good Cody, Good Cody, Billy's Diva and Ella Supremo nominated for various categories of Greyhound of the Year with local connections. So well done to all of them and the very, very best of luck in their endeavours to win in their respective categories elsewhere tonight. We also have the 2022 Bresbet Easter Cup final on. It's the big one. A whopping prize fund of €45,000. Wouldn't you love some of it? I certainly would. And tonight, our local connections have a very, very big say in tonight's proceedings with Paul Hennessy having two runners, Priceless Jet, who runs from the Orange Jacket of Trap 5 and Trap 6 Beach Avenue. He's been a phenomenal servant for the Healy family and trainer Paul Hennessy. With 62 starts, he's been in the first three on 48 occasions so he stays on like a train a model of consistency actually was a runner up in this competition last year so has a big chance priceless jet of course won the 2021 corn cucullin and he's a phenomenal stayer as well he's actually nominated for stayer of the year so very best of luck to mr paul hennessy as he seeks to win an eighth easter cup so 
it would be a phenomenal achievement if he could do that. Of course, he won this many years ago with Late Late Show, who was owned by the veteran broadcaster Pat Kinney. And he also won it most recently in 2016 with JT Jet. So best of luck to our local connections as they bid to win a share of the 45,000 prize money. The favourite will probably be in trap one, Susie Sapphire, trained by Owen McKenna and owned by Peter Comerford. She's been a phenomenal, phenomenal champion. She won the Oaks, she won the Puppy Oaks and she won the Derby in 2021. She's she's a history maker and she seeks to make more history tonight and it's, she's going to take a lot of beating but our local hopes are certainly not without a chance so best of luck to all local connections in Shelburne Park tonight as we look forward to a very very exciting week onto the McCallum Cup semi-finals next week the Ballymac Best at Stud final which will take place in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium on Friday night so much happening in the Greyhound racing world folks very very exciting times <laughs> Next up, we hear from Carlo Minor Manager Alan Roach on his team's convincing victory against Derry on Saturday. We needed that performance trying to get out of the lads all week. You know, after unfortunately losing last week tantrum and we, we put down the gauntlets to the forwards last week for seven points wasn't good enough. So we put down the gauntlets, that's what we worked on all week and it, it, it worked today, thank God. I suppose um, you'd have to say one thing, uh, um, Alan. The sudden start was great for Carlo. They were in that game from the minute the ball was in. That was, that was the plan to go at him and because we were looking at the game they, they played the other day against Down and they kind of done the same. They were very slow going at starting. So we said, let's, 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 let us dictate this game. And, and luckily enough, we did. And the rest is history, as the man would say. I suppose the, the, one of the things you were talking, we were talking about last week, Alan, was getting out in front. They did get out in front today. Exactly. You know, to, to get the scores, we didn't do it last week. As, as I tried to play myself in the forwards, the forwards, you have to out in front of your man and get the ball in, in your hand as quick and as fast as possible. And, and as you say, 3.17 from play is a great scoring for these young men from Carlo. And hopefully now we'll bring it on now in two weeks' time when we go up to meet. Yeah, is there a break for two weeks now, Alan? There is, uh, two weeks. Yeah, there is, yeah. So, um, the, the minor footballers are out next week in, in, in Dr. Cullen against, uh, Wexford at 12, at 12 p.m. So, and three of our lads are, are on that panel. So, they're going to play football now for next week. And I wish the minor footballers all the best of luck now next, next Saturday against Wexford and Dr. Cullen at 12 o'clock. So, yeah. So, it's, it's usually hurling, hurling, then football. And then we're back this day, two weeks, and we're going up to meet. I suppose, Shane, and I just like to say well done, Talon, and all the management staff in the team. But also, we will, we will not forget there was a, a lovely, poignant a minute silence before the start of the match. And I'm coming over to uh, Alan on that. First of all, for um, Paul Shefflin of Kilkenny and Eamon Dowlin of Carlo. Eamon was laid to rest this morning in, in Benicary. One of the great stewards and a former player with Asker, he won a junior football championship for him back in 19. 19- in 83, but one of the great stewards both for Carlo GA, the Camogie Association and the Ladies Football Association, all was there sadly last Monday Eamon passed through his reward and it was a, a fitting tribute uh, uh, 
definitely uh, to Eamon I, I didn't know him personally but what I've heard in the last week he was one of the stalwarts of Carlo GA and Camogie GA and I'd like to pass on my, my deep sympathy to the family and all the rest of his friends and also it was nice that um, seeing Simon Kilkenny man and, and the lads let me have the minute silence for Paul Paul Shefflin and you know I, I'm really deeply gratitude for, for Carlo for doing that and for Derry to observe, uh, observe the minute silence for both gentlemen yeah, it was very nice indeed, and our deepest sympathies go to both families. But uh, that's a chain from a happy uh, camp here in, in um, uh, Abbottstown, and it looks like the storm is getting ready to come in. But definitely, Alan, we were lucky, and before we just turned back to shame, we were lucky with the weather. We were, yes. Yeah, so we looked at it this morning, it's due in around half four, so thank God it can rain away now for the, all evening. We, we'll go now and get something to eat, and we'll go home then and watch the rugby. And how about the farmers? They want the bit And they do now at this stage. It's hard to gain the pitches as well. The hurling clubs are back as well. But listen, we'll, we'll take the team anyway. And Shane, on a final scoreline, Carla, three goals and 22 points. Derry, one goal and nine points. Nate Schaffer and Lauren LaPlante on IT Carlo's All-Ireland Final doubleheader on Tuesday. I'm now joined on the line by Nate Schaefer, IT Carlo basketball American scholar, who is part of the IT Carlo men's team, who reached the InterVarsity's All Ireland final two weeks ago. They defeated DKIT 75 to 68. The final is taking place on Tuesday as part of a doubleheader with the women's team. We spoke to Lauren Laplante yesterday, but Nate, thanks very much for taking the call, sir. Absolutely, it's my pleasure to join you today. Thanks for having me. It's ab- any time I get to speak about basketball, I'm quite happy. How much are you looking forward to the final on Tuesday? Oh gosh, so much! Uh, it's a really great reward for uh, all the work that we've put in this season. We have such a great group of guys, and I'm just really excited for the opportunity we have in front of us. And coming from stateside, and you may be used to big games. Do you get nervous ahead of a final now in in Ireland? No, I'm. Uh, I, I feel pretty comfortable playing in uh, in big games, and I get a lot of confidence playing with the group of guys that we have. My teammates are very fun to play with, and they're very, very good as well. So uh, I really wouldn't have it any other way, um, and I'm excited to get started. Really, itching to go, and get itching to go. That means you have to get prepared. You have to get ready for such a big final. What are the preparations like since you found out that you would be in the final? Well, really, the preparations start at the beginning of the season. I mean, that's hmm. that's why you practice months ago, weeks ago. But you know, once we once we won the semifinal game, uh, what was it a week ago now? Once we won that game and had that under our belts, and we knew that this new challenge was definitely going to be in front of us. Um, you know, just a renewed focus in our practices. Um, our varsity team was able to join us with the National League team at IT Carlos. So we've had a joint practice for the past couple of weeks. And so that's been an extra bonus to get us, you know, just that little bit extra ready to, uh, to compete and do our best. And you held on for the win in the semi-final against DKIT. You kind of stormed ahead. They came back into it. Yourself and Conor Gallagher then leveling the game. Uh, just Captain Ben Kelly Finn getting 37 points. How have you found the, the standard of basketball here in Ireland? The standard's great. And I, I really can't say enough about my teammates. Like you mentioned, uh, Conor Gallagher, affectionately known as Galley. Uh, <laughs> he and I, are, we, we really work well together, sort of a 
a Twin Towers group, but our offensive spark is, without a doubt, uh, Ben Kelly Flynn, like you mentioned, and some other guys that, that can't go uh, unspoken for, Connor Byrne and Owen Hackett and uh, Gary Morrissey, those three guys, when they're running around on defense, it's like we've got it's like we've got extra players on defense, like we're playing six on five. Those guys are absolutely energizer bunnies on the floor, and uh, it's really fun to play with them. And when you were playing with them in that game where it looked like it was slipping away, did any doubt ever creep into your mind at all? I got to say, in the midst of games, I very rarely get those senses of doubt. Um, Games go back and forth, teams come back, but I never feel like looking up at a scoreboard that – you know, we can't win, especially in that game in particular. Knowing knowing the group that we had, uh, we were familiar with the opponent. And I don't know, I, I, I felt confident, I guess, is the, is the best way to put it. I, even the transition now from, from stateside, is it Virginia that you're from? Yes, sir, Virginia. And, and coming from Virginia to IT Carlo, that must have been a bit of a tough decision to make. There, there is maybe a bit of a, a huge cultural difference in, in between the two countries, and especially playing basketball, where our main sports would be the likes of GEA, rugby, soccer. Was it a difficult decision for you to make? Well, the decision to come to Ireland wasn't necessarily about IT Carlo in particular. Uh, the school that I played with back home in the States, I had an older teammate that did this program, which uh, is called the Victory Scholarship Program, put on by Sport Changes Life. And Sport Changes Life is this phenomenal charity organization that helps bring American scholar athletes over to Ireland so that we can play more basketball, so that we can learn and further education, also so that we can help develop the sport of basketball here in Ireland. So I'm getting to participate in that, and that is what brought me here to Ireland. The charity itself sort of randomly places the scholars. There is some uh, some sway that we can have, but at the end of the day, I didn't point at the map and say, take me to Carlo. I was sort of assigned to this school, and it's a very different experience than I had at home where, you know, when I was being recruited to play college basketball, I really got to measure measure what I wanted and see each school and make a calculated decision. I was very happy with the school that I got back home. I felt felt at home with the culture and the group as well. And I was a little bit hesitant coming here, not really having any idea what to expect from my teammates here at the school or on the National League team. But I got to say, absolutely, like, I, I don't think my experience in any way has missed a beat. Just completely blown away by all the uh, all the great relationships I've made over here and just how much fun that I get to have every single day. So definitely a, a change, but an absolutely positive one, without a doubt. I'm delighted that you were able to have a positive experience here in Ireland, particularly in Carlow. Going forward then, and you're, you're on this scholarship, or the American Scholar, uh, what, what are the aims going forward then? What happens after this year with yourself? Um, really, that's still up in the air with me. I haven't landed on any specific decisions. I know for sure that based on this year that I've had, I definitely want to keep playing basketball. Uh, I haven't really taken stock of the opportunities that I'm going to be able to have. 
So it could be playing more basketball here at IT Carlos. That would be amazing. It could be playing basketball elsewhere in Ireland, elsewhere around the globe. I haven't really, I want to, I want to live in the moment and really enjoy the season that I'm having now. And so I'm not getting too carried away with trying to, uh, figure myself out beyond the next couple months. So I guess the answer is more basketball. We'll figure out where at some point. And you could be an Ireland champion as well. Just in terms of, of the game on Tuesday, it must be very special for the college that have been doing so well in the likes of rugby, in the likes of GEA, but now to have two teams going for that all-Ireland glory, it must be quite special and there must be a great atmosphere around campus. Yeah, it's... It's super fun to see how both the men's team and the women's team has been able to succeed at such a high level. Um, obviously, basketball is a little bit more of a, a second-class sport here in Ireland, which is a, another big adjustment that I've had. I can see all the allure of, uh, of the rugby and the GAA that you guys have a greater appreciation for over here than, than there would be in my hometown. But it's definitely cool to see, you know, we can still come into a basketball game at the, uh, the school and still have a great crowd, lots of students, lots of local townspeople, and people still rally behind it. So it's, it's, it's a nice sense of camaraderie with the community that uh, I think both the girls and the boys team have managed to secure. Well, that sounds awesome, and it's great that you're able to give back to the community. Just before we let you go, we have to mention the upcoming Easter camp in April. How exciting is it getting to coach youngsters who, who love the sport? Oh, I'm, I'm thrilled. That's actually a big part of what I do on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis as part of my uh, my time with this uh, Victory Scholarship program. So I actually get to go up to some of the local secondary schools and work with boys and girls teams on the on the youth level in a couple of different age groups. And that's just such a rewarding experience to get to not only help these kids become better basketball players, but just help them have fun after school, help them, uh, you know, find fulfilling things to do with their time in between classwork and being at home with the family. And uh, it makes me feel good to put smiles on their faces. So uh, I'm, I'm very happy that I have that, that uh, opportunity both through Victory Scholarship and through IT Carlo here at the, uh, the camp coming up in April. Well, you never know. You may be nursing the next Irish basketball player to play in the NBA and uh, adding to the only Irish man, Pat Burke, who uh, represented a, a few teams in the NBA over the years. But thanks very much for taking the time, Nate. It's been an absolute pleasure. We wish you nothing but the best here at KCLR on Tuesday and we'll be shouting you on. Thank you so much, Shane. It's been excellent talking to you. And, uh, I hope you have a wonderful day. Same to you, Nate Schaefer. Welcome along to Scoreline with myself, Shane O'Keefe. Now I have the pleasure of being joined by Lauren LaPlante, IT Carlo basketball American scholar, part of the IT Carlo women's team who've reached the InterVarsity's All-Ireland final last week when they defeated RCSI 87-52. to The final going to be taking place on Tuesday as part of a doubleheader with the men's team. First of all, Lauren, thanks very much for taking the time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. It's absolute pleasure. I love getting to expose the virtues of basketball. Uh, we don't get to often do it in our GEA and soccer and rugby-dominated societies, but it's just great to see IT Carlo doing such tremendous work. How much are you looking forward to it? And as a team, how much are you looking forward to the All-Ireland Final on Tuesday? Well, we're very excited. Um, this is my first experience 
playing um, basketball in Ireland. And so um, overall, we've had a really great season in the college league. Um, it's fun to just be able to go out and play um, with this group of girls. And we've found some success, which is always exciting. Um, so we're excited for Tuesday and we're going to go out and just give it our all. And um, hopefully we get a win out of it. And you're coming from, say, the American school system where the likes of basketball is, is so well revered over in the States. So coming up to this final on Tuesday, would you have much nerves coming into this or have you experienced this type of uh, kind of magnitude before? Um, I think I'm pretty well adjusted to uh, the nerves that come along with basketball or just competing athletically. Um, I ha- luckily have a lot of experience playing back in the States. And so coming over and playing in Ireland, I've just been able to be very open-minded to um, kind of what the basketball culture is like here. And I've um, been able to just kind of soak it all in and learn a lot about Irish basketball. And so going into the final on Tuesday, I wouldn't say I'm um, too nervous. I'm mostly just excited. And coming then from that system of the U.S., did you be, were you able to bring any kind of special preparations maybe that you've taken over from uh, stateside over to here? Because uh, like since you found out last week you'd be in the final, I'd imagine a lot of preparation does go into getting yourself ready for that. Yeah, so I was lucky enough to play um, five years of college basketball back in the States. Mm-hmm. And so I think that experience um, has well prepared me for um, the international basketball experience as well. Um, that, you know, I, I feel well prepared in, in my skill set and my um, kind of my fitness. And so coming over here, um, I didn't really have any worries about um, fitting into the system. It was more of just having to adjust to um, kind of a, a different world of basketball. Um, but luckily, all of my years of playing back home has um, really um, well prepared me for this experience. And are you able then to kind of pass that on to the rest of your team? Are they coming for advice or, uh, like, will you be all staying together during the duration of the weekend to build up to the final? Will there be a lot of practice and training going ahead? Yeah, so uh, we'll practice on Monday um, right ahead of the final on Tuesday. And so we've been able to spend a lot of time together. And it's it's interesting playing with with this group of girls because we kind of all have different levels of experience and we're different ages and, um, and we're all from different places. And so I've learned a lot from them and I think they've been able to learn a lot from me being one of the more experienced players on the team. Um, and so I think that has been the most special part of being, um, a member of this team is just being able to, to meet the girls and get to know them and uh, learn from them. So I hope I've been able to teach them something as well. Yeah. And, and, kind of knowledge coming from a fellow player as well kind of helps the bond and the team spirit and creates great harmony within the squad, I'd imagine. It really does. And our team really has um, a great way of of including everybody and just, uh, I'd say everyone is such a great teammate. And so it makes playing together so much more fun because um, we're just constantly cheering each other on and, and sharing the basketball and um, really celebrating each other's successes. Um, and that, I think, has been the, the main thing that's led to our success as a team. And yourself, then, coming from the States, is it North Carolina that you're from? 
Yes, it is. So coming from North Carolina to Carlo, we've seen it with, say, Marble City Hawks, and they get in a lot of American scholars as well. But what's that transition like from a personal level coming over to from North Carolina, I no doubt a bustling metropolis, as most places in America mm-hmm. are, to maybe a, a smaller kind of city in, in, in Carlo? Yeah, I am actually from a small town in North Carolina, so it wasn't that big of a difference. You know, I'm a small town girl, so coming to Carlo, which is also a pretty small town, um, I kind of uh, fit right in pretty pretty <laughs> quickly. Um, but being my first time abroad, there was definitely some some differences that I got to um, kind of experience right as soon as I got off the plane, you know, um, being in, in more of kind of a European feeling country. Yeah. Um that has been just really fun for me. I, I feel like I've learned so much, and um, I, I've really enjoyed my time in Carlo. Um, it's different from back home in some ways, but it's also very similar. So I feel like I've found a really good balance between um, familiarity and um, kind of like this cultural difference. And the people in Carlo have been so nice and welcoming, um, and so it's made the whole experience as my first year playing international basketball just absolutely amazing uh, i could not be more thankful for it so you mentioned your first year what what are the aims going forward then looking past tuesday what what's the career trajectory of lauren well um i'm not really sure yet you know we'll, we'll play on tuesday and then we'll have our varsity tournament um in april and then after that the plan right now is i'll head home um, and then I'm kind of keeping my options open for the, the coming year. Um, I'm not sure if I'll try and go play um, in another country or come back to Ireland. I'll, I'll just kind of see if, if something works itself out. And um, if not, then I'll just I'll probably stay back in North Carolina for a while. But we're just going to play it by ear for now. Yeah, and we know basketball on the, the European continent is huge as well, so you'll have many options, I would imagine. Uh, looking back at the semi-final, a very strong performance. How inspiring is that now going into this final? I think we're, um, we're going into the final with a lot of confidence coming off of uh, our past win. Um, that game, we kind of started a little slow, and then we kind of finally got into our rhythm, and, and we're, uh, we were able to kind of push the score a little bit. Um, which was nice to see. And it, it's nice when we do get um, kind of a, a pretty good lead on a team. We're able to share the ball even more, kind of get um, everybody some shot attempts and, and more minutes on the court. Um, and that has just helped kind of our, our whole team be so um, on board with, with this whole process. Um, so I think everyone's really excited um, going into Tuesday. And um, I think across the board, we just have, um, a lot of confidence going ahead. And no doubt the excitement is kind of doubles considering we have a double header of IT Carlo teams competing in the final. Yeah, we're super excited to um, be able to support the men's team um, after our game as well. They, they've had a great season too. Yeah, we'll be speaking to Nate as well later on in regards to what they're doing. Uh, just before we let you go, there's an upcoming Easter camp in April. You're getting to coach some of the youngsters. Uh, I'd imagine as a player, it's always great to get to see the enthusiasm in children's faces when they're picking up a basketball, maybe for the first time or being able to expand on their skills. It really is. That is one of the most um, rewarding parts of, of being over here. It's been able to, is uh, the opportunity I've had to um, coach kind of 
in our camps and as well I've been coaching in some of the local primary schools um, and that has just been such a rewarding experience um, being able to kind of give back to the community and and it's funny to see um, some of the you know, the younger kids that I walk into the gym and, and they hear my accent and they just kind of look a little starstruck <laughs> um, and so but it's been really fun and we're looking forward to our Easter camp I think that'll be a great time for everybody and um, it, it's nice to see just basketball be appreciated throughout the community um, and especially amongst the, the younger aged kids. Well, Lauren, it's been awesome getting to speak with you. Hopefully we'll be able to speak to yourself or your fellow players after a successful day on Tuesday. We wish you nothing but the best here from KCLR. Once again, thanks very much for taking the time to speak with us. Thank you so much and thanks for having me on. FGUI's Cahill Jenkinson on the upcoming Footgolf Four Nations competition taking place in Kilkenny. Today we're going to be talking to Cahill Jenkinson. He's the vice captain of the Irish team for the upcoming Four Nations tournament that takes place next weekend in the Pocock Foot Golf Centre. Kilkenny has the best that Ireland and England, Scotland and Wales have to offer come head to head. So I'm delighted to be joined on the line to talk a bit of foot golf with Cahill. Cahill, how are you doing, sir? Are you there, Cahill? Can you hear me? I can hear you there now, yes. Oh, <laughs> thanks, thanks very much for coming on. We said off air, you know when to speak, and I had your uh, fader turned out. That was my fault, not yours, sir. Well, thanks very much for coming on there. How, how are you keeping today? Yeah, absolutely buzzing. Um, very excited. Um, really looking forward to it. Yeah, the Four Nations finally arrived. Like, you, being part of the entire squad as well, I know from a personal aspect you must be buzzing, but I'd say the kind of camaraderie that comes with it is second to none. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, it's been a long time coming around now. It's, it's going to be the highlight of this season, but we've been working towards this um, organisationally and as a squad since, you know, early 2021. Um, the buzz has really started to build, you know, particularly in recent weeks. Uh, you can feel it in the WhatsApp group. You can feel it on these kind of Zoom calls that we've been having where we're kind of reviewing the rules and how to approach certain holes, the psychological aspects, all the elements off the course that we can take care of. And now guys and girls really just want to kind of put that hard work into practice and get down to it. And for listeners that maybe don't know, like they might be aware of what foot golf is, probably recreationally, it's a fun thing to do, but there is a very serious competitive aspect to it. Could you explain the format of the competition? Yes, absolutely. So for this tournament, we have England, Ireland, Scotland and Wales competing uh, as teams of, I think it's around 24. So there are 15 men, they'll be split into nine singles and then three pairs. There'll be four senior men, so that's one pair of two and two individuals. There'll be two ladies and one junior on the team. And the way that the matches work are they're all match play. So the most whole one over the round wins the game. And there's a point for each game. And whoever wins the, the most fixtures between the three countries will go into the final uh, against the runners-up on Sunday evening. And then there'll be a, a wooden spoon match as well, which hopefully we won't have to uh, make too much comment on because we won't be in it. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, get like... It it does it is an exciting thing, especially when you have Ireland, England, Scotland, and Wales all going head to head. But how do you qualify for something like this? Yeah, so as I say, it, it was all throughout twenty twenty one, and there were a number of different ways to qualify for the team. So the national rankings would take into account the the entire tour, which travels the length and breadth of the country over around nine months. And um, from that, we took the top ranked lady, the top ranked junior, 
the top three seniors and then 10 men. And in addition to that, we took the top two amateurs uh, again over the course of their season in their own tour. So that gave new players the opportunity to qualify. We took in the match play champion, which was a standalone event. Then we have our captain who qualified, you know, by, by virtue of being the captain outside of the process. And then there were two captain's picks as well for uh, men and for seniors. So we were able to draw on some of our kind of international playing um, players for that. So Adrian Burns is our international um, man, male captain's pick. He's coming over from the UK. He's from Permana originally, but he's coming over from the UK. And Gareth Morgan, um, who's from Belfast, he's coming in from Spain for the senior team. So we really had a number of ways of qualifying and we were able to kind of pick the strongest team based on the attributes through a number of different channels there. And I kind of mentioned there offhand that there is a recreational aspect of fuck off. So someone coming from a, a recreational kind of thing, is it feasible then for them to be able to get involved at this competitive level? Um, but for, so for this particular event, you know, there is an avenue in, and maybe we'll touch on it a little bit later in terms of the spectators. But in general, yeah, absolutely. Like, there's a lot of football courses around um, around the country, and the Midlands in particular, you know, is blessed with having the likes of Pocock uh, Football Centre there. Recreational players can just inquire at their local course about when they're hosting a national tour event. So I, I don't think the calendar has been published yet for the coming season, but Kilkenny is certainly hosting at least one, if not two events. They're open. Um, there, there are different categories inside the event. So there's a pro category and, and players who have played before would know what that is. But for brand new players, there's an amateur category as well. Come down on the day. People are very, uh, very open and very welcoming. Uh, there's no kind of intimidation um, you know it's, it's a nice atmosphere to be a part of and it's pretty casual um, you know until you get to the kind of the meaty end but the amount of players who've done that over the years and got bitten by the bug straight away is, is why we have the strength and depth of the squad that we have now so absolutely I'd encourage anybody who's played recreationally and had a bit of a laugh and a competitive edge to come on down and give the, the slightly more serious side of the sport a go and speaking of seriously, you know, being vice captain, I'd imagine there is a lot of onus on yourself. Uh, what what does your own role as vice captain entail? So um, I, I was fortunate to be asked by the captain to, to be vice captain, and you know, I, I jumped at the opportunity. There's a lot of prep that goes on behind the scenes, um, arranging of fixtures for warm ups, and to get an idea of players' form, recording their results, and kind of analysing that, and trying to help the captain make informed decisions around the team because you know we only have we say in the men's for example we only have nine individual spots so trying to map out if we put our nine strongest into there or maybe if we put six strongest and then bolster the pairs and what players would work well together so you know I, I have a lot of kind of input into those conversations and try and um, you know make the captain's role a little bit easier and then there's motivational things um, and I, I have our um, what would you call it, rule kind of marshal. Each country nominates a, a rule, um, somebody who applies the rules. So I, I've been kind of lamped with that role as well. Um, and then there's man management too. So just on course, keeping our feet on the ground, keeping guys focused and keeping guys motivated um, all throughout the team. So there's a lot of different aspects to it and hoping to do all that alongside playing my own game, of course. Yeah, and you're mentioning uh, management and keeping everybody focused. Uh, how integral in it then is to everyone work as kind of like a unit, as a team, to get the better of the other three nations? Yeah, so, so this, this event is very different to normal football for us because uh, a little bit like golf, um, some of the listeners may relate to, um, it's, it's a very individual sport and normally you go out there and it's stroke play, so you know, you're counting your own shots and you're against the whole field. But in this, it's a really different mindset you know, we want to get we want to get the team out there pushing each other to celebrate the successes. So when you know a long putt goes in, guys are, are jumping and high fiving and you know really geeing each other up, and you know putting an arm around the shoulder as well when something doesn't go quite right. 
So there is a lot of that, um, which is not you know part of the normal game of football for us. And then the role of the subs as well is, is key. So we don't have subs in, in a normal event, but here it's really trying to create that atmosphere on the court, being ready to plug any gaps at short notice, whether that's coming into a singles game or pairing up with somebody and really kind of embodying that team spirit, um, which we're hoping will gain us you know, an extra win or two out in the court. Yeah, speaking of getting extra wins, getting an advantage might be quite uh, integral in being able to get those extra wins. You're having home advantage here. It's quite helpful that Kilkenny has uh, one of the best courses in the country for Fuck Off. Well, how big do you think the home advantage will be? Oh, it's a big part, definitely. Um, the, the players have played so many rounds down in Pocock over the last, I would say, six months through the depths of winter, through through some absolutely horrific conditions. And everybody knows the course inside out. You can play at blindfolds at this stage. We know where to go. We know where not to go. But, you know, that is only one ingredient, I suppose, in, in the recipe for success. Um, and bringing all those pieces together, the home advantage, the course knowledge, you know, good sleep, a proper warm-up, um, physio on the course good diet, uh, all those controllables like that, they all play a part in hopefully our success. And then some of the additional features, I suppose, um, that, that will feed into that would be um, the, the sponsorship, the you know easing of the kind of the financial burden, because there is a little bit of an expense to, to hosting the event and participating in the event. And, you know, it, it's probably as good an opportunity as anything to, to thank those sponsors and everybody who is working silently behind the scenes to make the whole thing happen and, um, and, and hopefully feed into the success of the team and the event. It sounds quite exciting and it sounds the fact that you have this knowledge of the course is going to be very beneficial but I know that there's new holes in play compared to ones that myself or or listeners who do play recreational might be used to. Is that something that should suit the Irish team and what are the reasons for it? I'll tell you on Sunday if it suited us or not. <laughs> but um, yeah, look, ho- hopefully um, the, the Holmes family who run the Pocock Football Centre there, especially Jonathan and Adele, you know, they, they have been um, an exceptional support to us and they have enabled us to open up parts of the golf course for the event. So we put in about six or seven, I think it is, new holes on the golf side. And they are temporary only for the event. And the golfers out on the course, you know, they have been very understanding of that, um, allowing us to play on, on their section of the course. So the reason that we're doing that is really to try and play to our own strength, just in terms of increasing the level of difficulty a little bit, adding some more technically challenging holes, um, adding in some of the golf greens that are out there, you know, where the, the pace of the ball will change a lot and you've got to take into account the wind factor. There's more water out on that side of the course as well and, and Jonathan has uh, put in some additional water features for us. So we're really hoping it'll play to our advantage. Um, we're spread across a bigger area. It should minimise the delays as well, so everything should run a little bit more smoothly. But you know, it won't be until the, the rubber hits the road on Sunday evening where you find out if, if it was worthwhile or not. And is this open then to fans? I see that you have some very, very slick kind of memorabilia jerseys that people can come equipped with. You're shipping them out now as well. There's a lovely kind of white, green and gold one there and then there's an all green one as well. So can people just, uh, can they come along? Is it a ticketed event? How can they come and see and support Ireland? Yeah, so um, we would absolutely uh, encourage and welcome anybody who wants to come down and just experience something a little bit different for the day. You know, see some top-level competitive footballs um, and cheer on the Irish team. So either Saturday or Sunday, I think from around 9am, uh, the first tee off star both days, and that'll run through, uh, certainly on Saturday, it'll run through until the, the Ireland-Scotland Six Nations game. Um, and I think there are screens on site for that as well. So, you know, nobody should be in a rush to leave. <laughs> but it, it's not a ticketed event as such. You know, you can just come on in, park in the car park, uh, head out onto the course, um, you know, being obviously respectful of the, the level of competition that's out there. But, you know, we would love to have um, anybody come by and just give a few cheers, 
Um, I think jerseys are available for purchase through the Football Union of Ireland Facebook page. And if, you know, if anybody is looking to get involved um, or, or just come down and find out some more info about football and competitive football in general, that's, that's a place to go, um, Football Union of Ireland Facebook, where I think the national tour is going to be announced there in the coming weeks. And um, the, you know, the local football Kilkenny team run by Stan Brennan, they'll be announcing more matches as well. Uh, loads of ways of getting involved. And um, we would, we'd be thrilled to see anybody. And it's great. It's a great way if you're even kind of thinking of get, starting a foot golf journey. It's a it's a nice way to see how professional things are run. But Carl, we're going to be cheering you on here. I'll be in the studio anyway all day Sunday. But no doubt we'll be touching base. Maybe not with yourself, but with someone from the Foot Golf Union of Ireland and uh, keeping up to date with everything that is happening in the Pocock Foot Golf Centre. Carl, thanks very much and best of luck next week, sir. Thanks very much, Shane. Appreciate it. Cheers. Carl Jenkinson, Vice Captain of the Irish team for the upcoming Four Nations Tournament taking place next weekend, Pocock Foot Golf Golf Centre. We also hear from the GPA's Gemma Begley about her role as the Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Manager. Um, so just looking, I suppose, at, at what's what's relevant to players, trying to make Gaelic games, I suppose, more um, diverse and inclusive all round, um, particularly within the, the inter-county players. Um, I suppose there's a big um, role for them in using their, their platform, if you like, um, to, to drive change and to use their voice um, to, to, I suppose, lend their support to that um, and be more representative, I suppose, of, of the demographic of players within wider Gaelic games. Um, so been doing a good bit of, I suppose, getting my me, me, um, head around I suppose, what's going on already within Gaelic games, within the GA and Camogie and LGFA, and then wider within Sport Ireland. Um, and I suppose the, all the, the, politi- the, the context of policies and that. Um, so it's, it's, there's a lot, I suppose, happening. It's a very busy space at the minute. Um, there's lots of progress happening, I suppose, even at a sort of public level at the state level um, so it was just trying to see where we fit into that um, and what, what role players can play in really driving that on Yeah and I know you mentioned there that uh, like there's a lot to get your head around and it's definitely a large portfolio for yourself and especially since it's a new role as well so there's not really a blueprint yeah. to follow but like since the GPA and the WGPA joined forces like the, the progress that you have made in that short space of time has been phenomenal really uh, yeah, it's been phenomenal to be honest with you. Probably even surpassed our own expectations. Because um, I suppose take a step back, maybe about two years, and we, we started looking at the integration process for the playing body, the play, the two separate player body, and we we're probably looking at the exact same questions that the, the separate associations are now looking at. Um, that thing around the fear of voice and the loss of control. Sorry, the fear of the loss of voice and the loss of control, the loss of autonomy and decision making. Um, there were all the things that we were thinking of on behalf of our female membership. Um, so we got, a, I suppose, a committee together that was representatives from the WGPA and the GPA, and then we had an independent chair. Um, and that moved fairly quickly. So once we had decided it was the right thing to do, it was just a matter of how we get there. Um, and we, we sort of looked at all our structures, our constitution, our NEC, our board, um, and it became fairly evident fairly quickly, as I say, we wanted to achieve equality. So you just kind of structure your um, your different um, component parts of your organisation around that. Um, so we completed the, the vote, I suppose, to 
integrate in December 2020 and it was, was almost unanimous so the players really bought into that vision of, of what we wanted it to be um, and then within the as I say the last 12 months was really about um, there's 50-50 gender on our board and there's gender balance on our national executive committee all our programmes and supports are now delivered equally across all players the, the latest example of that was our third level student scholarships were launched last Friday um, and that's been equalised for the first time across 800 players so it's near enough 50-50 across male and female players Um, all our staff are now delivering equally across again the the players Um, there's 10 of the staff in the GPA Um, and then the big highlight I suppose last year really was the announcement of the equalising of the government funding Um, so the previously it was, it was about a 70% disparity between male and female players and the, the Minister for Sport, Jack Chambers, um, made that decision last year that he would equalise the funding across male and female players. So for the first time, female players each received a grant um, just for this was the, the cost that they were out of pocket for playing their inter-county games in recognition of that. Um, and in recognition of their role as the, the basically the, the best um, athletes in our national games, um, so that was huge, um, and we've made sort of all the progress we can internally. Everything that's within the GPA's control, if you like, all our resources and funding and staff and that are allocated now equally across male and female. Um, so I suppose we're really looking then beyond that. What what else can we do? What's next, if you like, in terms of um, what positive influence can we have on wider Gaelic games and achieving equality? Um, not just for our own members, but for, I suppose, the life cycle of all females in Gaelic games, whether it's coaching underage girls, whether it's um, sort of things like third level, whether it's females in um, administrative roles, um, that was really where we're, we're looking, I suppose, at the broader picture now. Um, we really believe in equality, so we're passionate about it. Tom Parsons in particular has a, has a real focus on it since he has come into the role as the new CEO in July last year. Um, so that was the, I suppose, the context of why we brought the motions to, the, sorry, the motion to GA Congress. Um, so the GPA can bring one motion every year to GA Congress directly. Um, and this was the first opportunity we've had since the merger to bring a motion. And I suppose that demonstrates how committed we are to it that, um, that the, the integration motion was what we what the GPA put on the CLAR. Um, and thankfully, I suppose that was it was voted through with um, 90 odd percent of, of support from the GA. Um, similarly, a motion was voted through at the LGFA Congress last weekend, um, committing themselves to prioritise integration. Um, and the Camogie Association now, the the final party in it, if you like, have they're bringing the management committee are bringing their own motion on the, the first weekend of April to their their own Congress, similarly um, committing themselves to, to, to move forward with the integration process. So we'll be very hopeful, I suppose, after that point that, that all barriers, if you like, will be sort of out of the way, any perceived barriers or anything that's been holding this up previously. Um, and that's what we really want to see then. On the back of that, we want to see action and a roadmap and timelines um, where we actually start to see things moving forward um, because integration has been talked about now for about 20 years within Gaelic Games. Um, so we really just wanted to prompt some action now. And it really is a means to an end of achieving equality um, for all within Gaelic Games. It's a good example as to why the LGFA, the Camogie Association and the GAA, uh, why, you know, they if they were to kind of come together uh, as one sporting body, um, what could be achieved, really? It's a measure. Yeah. 
That's it, and it, it really is it needs that vision. I think that's probably what's been lacking over the years, just the vision of just how good it sort of can be. It's not going to be perfect. Um, no family is, um, but it's certainly going to achieve a lot, a lot more progress. Um, and it's probably going to be a lot better in a lot of areas than it is currently. Um, like there is, I suppose there's some good work going on. You like some clubs that are doing the one club model. Just positive there. They're they're probably wondering what this is all about because on the ground they've they've a positive experience and yeah. say things like everyone within the club gets equal access to facilities. But it's probably more often than not the case that it's just not that way. Um, especially at inter county level, there's a, there's a massive disparity in terms of the male and female players, even in terms of access to facilities, minimum resources, um, welfare standards, things like that. There's a, there's a big disparity, um, and then I suppose at administrative level as well, there's an awful lot of probably duplication of programmes and resources and staff doing things and, and things at national level. Um, there really is an opportunity to, to just kind of nearly reset, um, completely review what we're doing across Gaelic Games and um, look at the massive opportunity that's there, I suppose, to do things better and to have a really inclusive, diverse, modern, progressive um centralise one national governing body for Gaelic Games that really lives up to its values of I suppose that motto of the GA is where we all belong um, and I suppose just that's what we want is equal equal recognition, investment and opportunity for, for both males and females within Gaelic Games um, but it needs it needs action to bring that to life. Yeah, and Gemma, I know you had mentioned the funding there a couple of minutes ago as well, and the huge increase. I think it was from seven hundred thousand to two point four million for intercounty yeah. um, players for women's intercounty players, um, and that's massive. And I'm just wondering, like, what does that mean? What does that funding mean? Like tangible kind of examples of uh, what yeah. can now be put in place for those athletes. Yeah, no, that's that's um, so. The, the government funding, if you like, for females was introduced in 2017, but initially it, it supported females through a team grant. So every team got sort of seven or eight thousand euro to support with things like their their physio, their S and C, performance analysis, nutritionists, access and floodlights, things like that. Um, and I suppose on the male side, it's always been an individual grant for each player on a, on a per-player basis. So that was a slight difference for a few years. Once the, the GPA and WGPA then, I suppose, had joined up um, and with the announcement last year of the, the equalising of the funding, I suppose, on that basis, if you like, um, it was the first time that there was actual individual player funding available on the female side. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the, the male side, it's a grant of about €1,200 Euro per player and then... On the female side, I suppose it's, it's equalised funding, but it's, it, every player then was getting a grant on the female side of about €800 Euro per player. But then they also got their team grants on top of that to support the the, the environment of their, their team and their sort of the professionalism of the backroom and things like that. Um, so it does. Like Girls are, are out of, massively out of pocket. They don't generally, the last time we surveyed, only 7% of players get travel expenses. Um, they would probably have to, to some, in some instances, still be buying their own gear. Um, they're probably out of cost over like nutrition, recovery, a lot of times still paying for their own physios, um, medical scans, things like that. Um, it just is massive. And then I suppose the, the, just with the level of commitment, I think when we done the level in the field report, uh, two years ago, like they were saying, the the average survey response that, that girls were committing like 26 hours a week to to their training and their their playing schedule, and um, that was including sort of travelling to games, travelling to training, their actual training time, 
recovery session, things like that. So that's massive when you consider they can't use that time to work in a part-time job. Um, they're losing out on things that, and especially so many of our members would be students. So they're really getting pinched, I suppose, from all angles. And, yeah. and it's, it's just massive and being able to allow them just to give that wee bit more preparation, a wee bit more recovery time, takes a bit of the stress off worrying about you know, being able to, I suppose, even afford to play the game. Um, so it really was massive. And it, it was as much sort of as about the respect and recognition from the state, the fact that they were saying these players deserve equal investments. It was a massive statement, I suppose, not just to Gaelic games, but to the whole of Irish sport that um, female athletes should be treated equally. And I, I suppose it nearly feels like the government were taking the lead and setting an example there. Um, was, was a massive players really felt that sort of party of esteem from that as well as much as the financial investment it was as much about the recognition Yeah definitely and it, just to kind of like yeah. you say as well just to kind of give them give them that little bit of breeding room so that they can they don't have to worry about the financial aspects of kind of travelling up yeah. and down from college which a lot of girls especially um, would still be in college they're kind of kind of have that that younger age profile um, playing inter-county yeah. so kind of just to have have that as a little bit of a weight off their shoulders will, will mean a lot but just to touch on kind of the amalgamation again then and I know that we kind of touched on it earlier just in, in terms of maybe some reservations that people might have or some fears one of those fears might be the loss of autonomy do you think that like uh, that kind of that fear has been banished almost or, or are people still trying to work through how that might work um, I suppose that's where the consultation needs to start I don't I don't know the starting positions if you like of the, the, the three NGBs this is this has nearly been trying to prompt this this open conversation about it because there's been a lack of vision and a lack of clarity on on how it could work. You start kind of nearly building your principles and your structures backwards from that. So, like, would would, would love to see more open discussion on it and, and more consultation. I fully expect that process will follow, um, and and that will will arrive at I suppose the best case scenario. Hopefully, fully informed for everyone. Um, but the, yeah, certainly the from our own experience, I suppose the big thing was about the fear of the loss of voice, the loss of separate identity, the loss of decision making. I can only speak, I suppose, from our own experience. What eighteen months later to say it's it's stronger than ever. The female voice. Um, we're 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 part of one bigger organisation, but the. I suppose the the rights of the females, uh, the voice is enshrined in our constitution to say that you know gender balance must be enforced at our NEC and our board level and all our subcommittees and on our executive officers. So it's central to a far bigger organisation, um, and the the voice has actually been amplified. And I suppose that's what you'd like to see in this new arrangement for one governing body for Gaelic Games, mm-hmm. that um, the females are given them assurances and the, they know well in advance that this is this is what your position and your place and your protections are going to be in a new organisation. Um, that's that's what, what I suppose I can only again speak from our own experience. That was what really gave us comfort in the process. And that's why I suppose it was a unanimous um, support for it on the ground. Yeah, and I think you're dead right when you say as well the female voice is stronger than it than ever and even last year like we had what what a year it was for women in sport with the yeah. likes of Ellen Keane, <laughs> Rachel Blackmore, Kelly Harrington like that's just that's just naming a few really but you know that didn't happen yeah. overnight either there's a lot of hard work that that goes on behind the scenes um to develop women's sport. 
that's it. And it's it's a growth area. It's if you look at any sport across the world, as far as rugby, soccer, um, basketball, AFL, anything, it's the it's the female side of the game. It's women and girls. It's participation. Um, that's where the growth is going to be and that's where I suppose like, the likes of sponsors and media um, are really going to focus their attention over the next few years um, so I suppose and policy as well, I suppose public policy fits into that in terms of um, focusing on increasing women and girls participation so um, the more I suppose that we can we can set ourselves up to be to be fully representative of that, to fully support that. Um, Gaelic Games is a community and a family organisation, um, especially I suppose at, at some clubs, club level. Um, there's there's no difference, and that should be just should be the way it should be. I think, um, and that's what we'd like to see. So. The more we can, as I say, we can drive that on and support that, the better. Yeah, and I think there's so much to be optimistic about um, when it comes to women in sport as well. Well, look, um, Gemma, thanks so much for your time. I really, really enjoyed chatting to you. And uh, look, we'll, we'll chat to you again soon, please, God. As always, we check in with Davy Jones on all things health and fitness. Welcome back to Scoreline. If anyone's been listening over the past 10 weeks, you know that we've been talking to one of Ireland's strongest men, Davy Jones. He's been trying to whip me into shape. And it's 10 weeks. It was a 10-week programme. 30, 30 workout sessions and uh, 10 leg sessions. I can, I can count that one. I can remember every single one in my head. Ten leg sessions. It was a journey that has been so fulfilling, and I'm delighted to get to talk to Davy Jones on the phone. Davy, how are you keeping, sir? I'm good now, Shane. And you? I'm I'm feeling a bit better after the leg session I went through with you on Friday. You did take a bit of mercy on me as well, but uh, thanks very much for coming on air. Great, thanks, thanks for having me on, Shane. And yeah, we went a bit lighter there. This week is a little bit of an injury, so there was no point going crazy this week. Yeah, that's why I wanted to ask you about uh, people managing injuries when they want to train. Um, there's always that kind of fear that you're going to be missing out on a week or however long your injury is going to set you back on and that your progress is going to regress. And you hear a lot of people then talk about muscle memory and that, oh, you might be gone for two weeks, but you'll be able to build back up and that kind of stuff. How do you manage an injury is, is should you be stopping is it just kind of obviously it depends on the type of injury it is but how do you manage being injured and training at the same time well like you see there um, the other day when I, was, I kept kind of asking you what would you give the pain out of 10 out of 2 the exercise we're doing and um, the main thing there was is making sure it's not too painful for whatever exercises we're doing is make sure there's not too much pain and we basically what I wanted to do with the other day was you have a lower back injury and, and not um, not basically not hurt you too much but at the same time get the muscles surrounding your lower back working and kind of a bit freed up and get some blood flow in there and that's that's amazing with any injury and like it's it's very um, it's very kind of you know it's a bad scenario where you, you have an injury and you can't train you think oh everything's going to go now and all my hard training is going to go out the window and but that, that's not the situation like a, a week of not training hard is not going to be the end of the world and going in and training hard on an injury is going to make it a lot worse and a lot longer road of getting back to where you are so the main thing is just kind of take it day by day and see how you feel and, and try to do things productive to help me heal up rather than trying to be going hard the whole time if that makes sense 
And when you you mentioned said we were on a, a ten week program, and I, I was chatting to Lee, who works in there as well, and you just mentioned uh, kind of losing a week isn't isn't the worst thing in the world and a lot of time you can get caught in that just wanting to continually uh, work out you can kind of catch the bug so to speak but like when you're building muscle you're tearing fibres and stuff and you hear like Lee says sometimes he takes a, a week off just to rest and recuperate so someone that was on say a 10 week journey with yourself like me and I'm not asking for a week off or anything like that but is it, it would it be advisable to take a bit of time after you've been training say for 10 weeks or training for you know however long you were training for is there a general time that you yourself take a bit of a respite for yourself yeah, well, if, if, you're, if you're hurt, like, if you have any sort of injury, definitely, like, you need to take a little bit of time off and address the injury and see what what's happening there. And uh, sometimes we can, even simple things, just get overtrained, basically doing too much too often, and what that needs then is just a little bit of rest. And, yeah, I have a few injuries over the years, and usually, stupidly, what I've done over the years is go back into training um, very soon after a heavy competition, and it was three, three, four years ago, I think, um, I moved a few discs on my back. I went back heavy squatting three days after a heavy competition. And it was really stupid thing. I was just on a bit of a buzz from the competition after doing well. And I wanted to get straight back in. And But, you know, stupid mistakes like that can cost you a lot because... It took me two weeks to be able to go back on my socks by myself, so yeah. I was I was in a bad way, like you know. So yeah, the main thing is, you know, train like we've explained during the weeks there, Shane. Small little improvements week by week, they're the ones that you need, and they result in big results over time, not massive jumps every single week. That that can't, that's not sustainable, like. And that was something that you said to me at the start, and particularly as someone who was looking at the scales just constantly over all throughout his life, I was just always going by scales as gospel. And you said the first thing to me on the first day of the assessment was do not put any kind of steed in the scales. And, you know, I, I took a long time to kind of get out of that habit of not weighing yourself at this time and then getting upset when you weigh yourself uh, at a different time. But there's a whole bunch of factors why it might change and stuff. So when we did the assessment from the start and then did the end of the assessment, there was a quite stark difference despite the weight not changing. Exactly. Yeah, your body composition has been totally different. We were down 14 inches in total. And yeah, so like you can see the photo, especially the photos that you, you shared on, on your social media there way back. Totally different. You know, totally different person. Um, your fitness levels, not just the way someone looks at you, your fitness levels and your strengths are totally different. Like the first day you came in, you know, you were burning out after a few sets on whatever we were doing and the weights were light. Well, now your endurance is through the roof. You can keep going and going and they're not... The assessment is not all about what we do in that room. The assessment room is measurements and and weight and stuff like that. Is obviously your your physical health and fitness too is is a big factor too that people forget about. And the mental game of of training is, is a big factor as well. And that was something that I would admittedly be quite weak on. And that's where the personal trainer thing comes in. Uh, the accountability that you would have from training and just getting out the last few reps of a set which proved to be integral over time so you know there's many times that you want to quit and that you want to stop and you don't want to go but your mind as I've been thought in there and your mind gives up before your body your body is going to be incredibly durable and you're going to be able to keep going so you should trust more so what your body's going to be able to tell you as opposed to what your mind is trying to put in there Exactly yeah if anyone is looking to do anything in the, in the fitness game or you're just looking to 
be healthier and fitter. I think the only way to go is is to get a trainer, like because you see the benefits yourself. Um, you're you're going to go the extra thirty, forty percent more, you know, every session, and you're going to do it under safe guidance. You know, there's no, you know, uneducated view of how to do things, and you know, even myself, like I'm I'm trained by a guy in the UK, and I have to answer him every day. I have to send him videos and. It's, he tells me if it's good, bad, or ugly, and, and that's and that's it. Like, and when I'm training, I'm training with the lads in the gym, the guys who walk down. We're put, we're um, pushing each other to the limits. Like, it's it no at no at whatever level you're at. Like, I'm at just ten years now, and I always rather train with someone. And I think everyone should try either train with someone or you know get a trainer or whatever, be get into a class or whatever, whatever, whenever you're into, like, you know, a uh, club or whatever, you know, it's, it's the only way forward because another set of eyes will always see a lot more than what you think you're doing. Yeah, and I find it mad that you, as a personal trainer, still kind of have someone else looking at what you're doing as well and you're really kind of getting behind the ethos of having someone there with you. Um, People come into a gym in all different shapes and sizes. You'll have uh, someone who came with me with relative somewhat fitness. You have people that are coming in uh, bigger, people that are coming in smaller. And would you find that someone that is coming in with, say, a bigger body composition, they're going to get a lot more quicker results than, say, someone like myself who kept the same weight, but if I, I wasn't particularly trying to lose weight anyway. So would you find someone that uh, is, say, 20 stone, they're trying to kind of drastically drop any of the weight or their BMI or anything like that in that 10 week course are they going to get a lot more drastic results yeah well it's it's unfortunately we always look at big numbers of weight loss as a good result like your result is no worse than anyone else's result or anyone else's result is no better than yours like, Certainly. like we said like you, your inches were down a lot your body composition totally different your fitness your muscle mass totally different you know well, people might see someone that comes in that's that's very unfit and very overweight, and they lose three or four stone. And some people have lost one one man lost seven and a half stone before um, doing our ten week program. Like you know, so it's crazy results like that. You know, that's all well and good. Like that's that's great. That's great for that person. Like, but no one's result is any worse or better than anyone else. As long as you're getting better every week and your result is way better than what you were ten weeks ago, five weeks ago, whatever it be. That's all that matters. Like you know, you're only you're only going like against yourself and saying to myself, "I'm only, I'm only trying to bet myself each day." So you know, the results like like you said, though, is it's all it's all it's personalized. Like if someone like you said is twenty stone, they need to lose weight. It's going to be, you know, they have a, a bit weight to lose while you didn't. So we're going to see a three or four stone loss for that person, but we're not going to see it with you because there's no need to lose that weight. So it's it's a different kind of different kind of. Uh, Results, really. If someone's out there then listening and they're apprehensive about making that first step, and it's a daunting, scary thought, thought, especially if you're not accustomed to being in a gym. And I often hear the paradox, I don't go to the gym because I'm self-conscious about my body, but you're also self-conscious about your body because you mightn't go to the gym. And it's, you know, it's a, a bit of a weird one there. And they have, you know, a plethora of excuses. And uh, sometimes they're unfounded, sometimes they're genuine. And, like, obviously they're genuine to the person, but... A person that wants to make that first step, what's your advice to them? Um, really, you have to really want to do it for yourself. And over the years, maybe 12 years in this game now, you have to... I know when someone walks in the door and when they're genuine, when they want to really do it for themselves. Um, 
12, 11 years ago, it happened to me, you know. I, 12 years ago, it happened to me where I lost 12 and a half stone. And I was heavier all my life previous to that. I was 19 years of age till I started. I was 19 years of age till I started. But I didn't start until then because I, I didn't want to do it, you know. And then something clicked in my head where I really wanted to do it. And that was it, you know. That person needs to want to do it. And then when it's coming to us, that's it. We'll show them how to do it and to get the results. And we seen that when you came in then, your first day, Shane. You were really dedicated you know you want to learn how to train properly and after your first week you realise a lot of things I said right I wasn't really doing this thing right or that thing right and you know as the weeks go along then you really see the, the differences in the, in, in the style of training you were doing previously towards what we have you doing now yeah certainly um, what's, the, what's the next step then someone's finished their, their 10 week course what, what, for myself what, what, what's the next step on the journey so for you, you're starting straight into another 10 weeks. And, <laughs> but most people who do 10 or 5 weeks, like very few people, 5% of the people might stop. Most of our, 95% of our people just keep going and going. I've been training one woman there 7, 8 years now, I think, at this stage, 10 week program. So, yeah, I don't think, no one really stops. Like, you know, once you get results, it's hard to... It's hard to say no. I don't want any more results, like, you know. Well, I'll be looking forward to the next ten week of a journey, and we'll cover it here on Scoreline as it goes ahead, and we'll see where that goes from there. Davey, if people are liking what they're hearing. Where can they get in touch? Uh, Davey Jones Fitness on Instagram and Facebook, and all our, our numbers are there. Email addresses, everything like that. So you can contact us if you if you're looking to do personal training or membership or anything like that. You can call in to meet with us, or you know you can you can sign up online on davidjonesfitness.ie, whatever whatever suits, and we can help you achieve your goals. Nice one, Davey. And if you want to follow along the journey, you can go on to scoreline.ie. Week ten has just gone up there, Davey. It's been an absolute pleasure, and no doubt I'll be seeing you on Tuesday. Thank you, Davey Jones from Davey Jones Fitness. And we've come to the end of another edition of Scoreline Extra. Don't forget, you can catch the live show every Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Chat to you soon.